We've got to get away from the idea it's all about us. It's all about Him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I'm already wrung out. I've had this day. I better keep this handkerchief out. I've had this day marked on my calendar for a long time. It finally arrived. Today is a milestone occasion for me and my wife. This will be the last message I will preach as a senior pastor. It won't be my last message, but it's going to be my last as the pastor of a local church. Sister Dawn and I have been pastoring for 42 years. We pastored four churches, three of them the Lord sent us to start. This one here is number three, and this one is very special to us. I was just thinking, I've had both of our other pastors to come here, even Brother Chris, who will be taking over. He'll be doing two. I've been doing that for a few years myself, doing two at one time. But uh, both of them came here, and uh, there's a different spirit in this place. Right? <laughs> they said it. And uh, they love coming here because uh, you guys are really after God. You can tell. When you get behind this pope and you start preaching the word of God, you know who's taking it, who's wanting it, who's, who's uh, receiving it, and you know, you feel it. And uh, so we thank God that we had the opportunity to do four churches, and, uh, and none of them really was uh, my desire. Uh, I guess that was the apostolic calling on me. Uh, the word ap uh, apostle means one sent. That's what it means, one sent. And I was sent everywhere. It wasn't any of my desire to be here. It wasn't my desire to be in Chalmette. It wasn't my desire to be in Covington. It, it really, er everywhere I went, God sent me. So we have three churches still functioning, and I will be the overseer of the entire ministry. But not only that, I'm also prospective of a few other churches out of, out of state that uh, pastors, young pastors, have asked me to be one of the prospectives to oversee their churches. So uh, I guess I'm apostolic in that way. Uh, I'm going to be helping our churches in the vision for each one of the churches. I'm going to help them to uh, develop a vision, to have a vision to grow the church numerically, financially, uh, raising up more leadership. That's going to be my job. And then we've got building projects that's going to be coming that, uh, that they have to come soon. So I've been anticipating this day for a while on what to preach. What do you preach? Well, the Lord showed me and reminded me of the experience the Apostle Paul had in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul, if you read the book of Acts, was arrested 
for preaching the gospel like we do here. He was arrested for it. And uh, uh, he was being brought before Caesar. He had to go to Rome. Uh, he appealed to go to Rome because he was a Roman citizen. History tells us he was in prison for two years and then he was finally executed for preaching the gospel. Imagine losing your life for preaching what I'm preaching. Well, uh, it's debated on how many churches the Apostle Paul started, but they all agree it had to be more than 14 churches that the Apostle Paul was sent to start. And as Paul was being shipped to Rome, he was being shipped. You imagine in a ship, well, you had the ships had to stop at each port to get to where your final destination was. But Paul landed in a city called Miletus, which was about 30 miles from the city of Ephesus, in which Paul had started a church there. And uh, so when he landed there in the city of Miletus, he sent for the elders of the church to come and meet with him. And uh, we're going to go there and read how that went. So I titled this message, The Final Instructions. And we're going to read in Acts chapter 20, verse 17. It says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn from God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I can finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I want to preface my message by echoing some things the Apostle Paul told the elders. In verse 18, he says, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. For 42 years of ministry, no one has ever brought an accusation against me as a Christian or as a minister. 
Some have questioned decisions, hard decisions that I had to make in ministry that only a minister will know uh, over the years. But I haven't had any accusation come against me, against my character. I've had other things, but not none of those. Verse 19, Paul said, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. I left the church in Covington that was 10 minutes from my house to cross the bridge for five years, three times a week to, to have service, to have groups, to have meetings, and all of that uh, for five years. And then I've shed some tears. I've buried some people since I've been here. Then I've seen people fall away from the faith and suffer peril since I've been here. In verse 20, Paul says, You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've done all that since I've been here. I've preached the word. I've taught the word publicly. I preached out in this parking lot. I was out in this parking lot preaching. I've gone from house to house here. We taught in Dunkin' Donuts. French Press, coffee shop. A borrowed church. Two years in the Ramada Hotel. So I haven't, I haven't hesitated to do that. And again, I left the church 10 minutes from my house. But in verse 21, Paul says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. You can look around here. We've got all colors here. We've got all nationalities here. See, we didn't hesitate to, to be prejudiced against anybody. We're going to preach the gospel to whosoever, and we will continue to do that. In verse 22, Paul says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I was compelled by the Spirit to leave Covington to come here, not knowing what was going to happen. Now I'm compelled by the Spirit to move in a position that I haven't been in before to oversee the ministry. In verse 24, Paul says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Fifty years as a Christian, 42 years as a minister, I just want to finish the race. My goal... From the night I knelt down and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I want to go to heaven. Yes. And nothing's going to stop me. I want to finish the race that God, I didn't have any idea that God would call me to the ministry. I just wanted to be in the race, and I wanted to finish the race. Now, in verse 25, Paul told them that they would never see his face again. That's not going to be true here. 
You're going to see me. Not as often as you have the past five years every Sunday, but you will, you will see me. In verse 26 and 27, Paul says, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I've never hesitated to preach a message God has given me, no matter how hard it was, no matter whether you liked it or whether you didn't like it. If that's what God wanted me to preach, I preached it. I've always been that way, and I will continue to be that way. I preach the whole counsel of God. I don't have an agenda of my own. I haven't hold anything back from, from, from the church and from what I felt the church needed to hear. So now, let's look at the final instructions. We're going to begin in verse 28. Paul said this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now I want to expound on the final instructions. Verse 28, Paul says, and he's speaking to the elders here. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Paul is speaking to the elders here, which are the shepherds here. But it also speaks to everyone who's in leadership positions here. Paul said, you have a responsibility. First of all, guard yourself. Make sure you stay in the faith. Make sure you're walking the walk and talking the talk. But also you have a responsibility to look after the church. The leaders here are the ones representing the gospel message. If we're going to preach this message, then we need to represent that message. Our lives, the way we live, the way we act, the way we talk. We should represent the reality of the power of the gospel that can change a person's life must be seen in the leadership that is here. You've been given responsibility to guard something that is not your own. You don't own this place. I don't own this place. This place was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It don't belong to us. But we're giving the responsibility to look after it, to guard it. See, the church, which is the people who have been born again, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it don't belong to us. You don't belong to me. But I am responsible for you. And the leadership here is responsible for you. Not only to God themselves, but they ought to look 
after you. In verses 29 and 30, Paul says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. It's not only men. It could be women. Apostle Paul told them after he's going to watch out because there's going to be savage wolves that are going to come in and they will not spare the flock. They don't love the flock. They don't. They love themselves and they want to destroy the church. See, the work that God has started here, I want to tell you something. This church is precious to God. This, this is no accident here. God destined this church. And the, the enemy would love nothing better than to destroy it. So that's going to be up to us. It's going to be up to you. The leaders here need to watch those who come in. They're going to be coming in here, I'm telling you. I've seen it happen many times, especially when the anointing of God is here. It's going to draw in all kind of spirits. They're going to come in here, and it's going to be up to the leaders to vet them, to watch out for them. They're going to come in. They're going to claim to be somebody spiritual. They must be vetted. And watch closely. But then again, Paul warns that even from among us, they could rise up even in our midst to draw people after themselves to leave the church. I've passed it long enough. I've seen it both ways. I've seen them come in from the outside. For one reason is to take people out of the church. Then they rose up from the midst of us. Some people you never would have imagined. But the devil will take any foothold that he can. If someone opens their heart to that, they'll get it and, and, and they'll think they're doing something great for God and they're not. They're being led astray. Super spiritual people who full of pride come in from the outside to change the church. They come in with their own agenda. They come in with uh, some special revelation from God. I said, there's only one revelation I need. It's right here in this book. I don't need nobody coming here and tell me that God wants something different. They come in with their own agenda and a vision for the church. The Word of God tells us to be on guard for that. Be on guard for that. They're savage wolves. They come in in sheep's clothing. And it's going to take discernment of the Holy Spirit, of the leadership here, to be consciously aware of what's happening here in this church. But we also got to look out among us that none of us go astray. you got to be aware of those who begin to speak negatively about the leadership. 
Soon as a negative word comes out of your mouth, the red flag needs to go up. I got to watch this. It will cause division among the flock, which is the work of the enemy. It's everyone's responsibility to keep unity in the church. If you love God, you love his church, then you have to do your part to keep unity here. And the word of God tells us how to do that. You hear anybody complaining about the leadership, you need to tell them, you need to shut your mouth, go to the person. Don't go spreading it around here. You got something, something you don't like, don't go telling everybody. Go to the person. You need to direct them. I had to do that many times in ministry before I was even in ministry. I had people come to me talking about the past. I said, hold up one second here. Hold up. I heard the words of eternal life from that man. Don't come here and tell me about him. You need to go yourself and go talk to him. That's what the Bible says. You have ought against a brother, you need to go to them. Don't go tell everybody in the church. You begin to do the work of the devil. It's everybody's responsibility. In verse 31, Paul says, So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. See, this warning Paul's talking about here is talking about false teachers coming in trying to infiltrate the church with some kind of strange doctrine. I want to tell you, the tabernacle ministry here is rock solid when it comes to this. And if anybody comes in here with some strange doctrine, some unbiblical teaching, and tries to enter here, it's going to be easily detected. Now, verse 32, Paul says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I want to read it in the Amplified Version. It says, And now, brethren, I commit you to God, I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated purified, and transformed of soul. Here Paul is expressing his confidence that when he leaves, he's, leading, he's, he's, he's confident that them succeeding when he leaves. And I'm confident that you're going to succeed when I lead. I'm confident of that. And that is what I'm doing here. I am committing you to God. Because I know his grace. I know what he can do. He can keep you. Paul says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. 
Paul commits them to God because of God's divine direction and influence, it's going to happen. He commends them to God to provide for them. I know God's going to provide here. He's going to make a way here. He's going to take care of you. He's going to supply all of your needs. And, he's, he, and Paul encourages them to cast all their care and their needs upon the Lord. What an assurance that you can have that God's going to take care of you. Whatever you need, go to God. He's going to take care of it. Let your eye be forever towards Him. Not Don't look around. Look to Him. Your help comes from Him. And, and your dependence upon Him and all your troubles and your difficulties. Let this be your comfort that you have a God, Jehovah Jireh, who is all-sufficient in meeting everything, as Paul said. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul said, I commend you to God. That is his plan, his purpose, his protection, and his care for you. Paul said, I'm leaving you in God's hands. That's what I want to do to you. Paul was saying he's enough. Even though we might be separated, he's enough. He's going to be close to us. Brother Call might be leaving, but God's not leaving. <laughs> then Paul commits them to the word of his grace. He says this, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is to his gracious word. As long as his word, let me tell you something. Everybody that hits this pulpit from now on is going to bring you the word. Whether it's, it's, it's Brother Nick, Brother Chris, me, whoever, one of our other pastors, I guarantee you when they come to this pulpit, they're going to bring you the word. And it's the word and the grace that comes with that word that is going to build you up. Because the word has mercy in it. The word has a promise in it. The word has salvation in it. The word has his grace in it. And Paul, no, no doubt, refers to the gospel. The gospel must be preached. Because God's word has consoling truth, has direction, has comfort, all of that comes from the Word of God. His Word which has power to build you up. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is quick. It's living. It's life-giving. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Jeremiah says, says this in 23.29, Is not my Word like a fire? Said the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. That's why the Word of God must come forth from here. It's implied here that the gospel is not a dead letter, but it has power to accomplish a great work and that has an end in view. I'm confident 
that if we preach the word, something's going to happen. Things are going to happen. Chains are going to break. Hearts are going to melt. Everything when we preach the word. And there is no danger in representing the gospel because it's a mighty force. It is fitted with infinite wisdom to secure the salvation of man and his restoration. This church was birthed by God. This wasn't Brother Call's idea. This church was birthed by God. God told us to come here and do this and, and to reach some of you here. Some of you here was reached through here. There's more to come. See, there's more to come. So I want to close with this. I want to echo what Paul said to the Philippian church where it expresses what my wife and I feel. Come up here, baby. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Sister Dawn and I want to say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> for allowing us to be a part of your life. We love you very much. We love you. God bless you. <laughs> every one of you, y'all of our conversation at home was talking about this one and that one. Your baby, how beautiful she is. I mean, <laughs> so and we good. love y'all very, very, very much.